We're looking forward to what God has for us in the Word today, David Nicholson preaching. Let's uh, approach this with faith. Give David a warm welcome as he comes to talk. Dave the Brave. Yeah, we're not putting the play on Saturday morning at 2 a.m. 2 p.m. Yeah. How is everybody? I think our church is growing. I look around and I only know about half of you. So I'm David. Good to have you here. Okay, I'm going to attempt an Irish accent for this joke, for part of it. So either when you laugh, you're going to be laughing at the accent or the joke. I'll assume the joke. So a secret agent is sent to Ireland to deliver a top secret package. Go to this small town in Ireland, find our agent named O'Malley, and say the following to him, the shadows of the moon are getting dark. He'll reply, but the sun will guarantee the light. When he says that, give him the package and head home. So the agent goes to the small Irish town, but only sees a handful of shops and a farm. He walks up to the farmer and says, I'm looking for a man named O'Malley. The farmer replies, you need to be more specific than that. The bank manager is named O'Malley. The butcher is O'Malley. The undertaker is O'Malley. And for that matter, I'm O'Malley too. Hearing that, he says to the farmer in a hushed voice, the shadows of the moon are getting dark. The farmer replies, oh, you're looking for O'Malley the spy. He lives in the next village. (laughs) All right. All right, one more. (laughs) A young boy enters a barber shop and the barber whispers to his customer, this is the dumbest kid in the world. That sounds like something I would say. Watch while I prove it to you. The barber puts a dollar bill in one hand and two quarters in the other, then calls the boy over and asks, which do you want, son? The boy takes the quarters and leaves. What did I tell you, said the barber. That kid never learns. Later, when the customer leaves, he sees the same young boy coming out of the ice cream parlor. Hey, son, may I ask you a question? Why did you take the quarters instead of the dollar? The boy licked his cone and replied, because the day I take the dollar, the game is over. (laughs) Smart kid. Okay, this is a true story from a few years ago. You ever notice that every once in a while, life throws you a slow, straight pitch right over the plate and you get to knock it out of the park. Just God sets things up perfectly for you. Well, I used to be a substitute teacher. I was teaching fifth grade a few years back and God set things up for me. We were discussing the differences between animals and people and a girl raised her hand and said, one thing I don't understand is what's the point of us being here anyway? Why did God put us here? And it was like, inside my heart, I was going, yes. Because you can't just start preaching um, in public schools, but if they ask you a question, you can answer honestly, right? So I got to say, good question. Well, I'm a Christian, and I believe God made us because he loves us. He's like a parent. You know how parents love their kids? Well, that's how God feels about all of you. And it was just this beautiful moment. I had 25 pairs of eyes shining up at me. You know, some of the kids who you can tell were raised Christian were going, yeah, yeah. And, uh, other kids were like, wow. The, the little girl said, oh, cool. And it, was just, it was just this warm, wonderful moment. But I did notice a, a little girl in the back, and she was doing one of these. And I said, you know, what's wrong? Are you okay? And she goes, I can't listen to this. I'm Catholic. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, sweetie, it's okay. Catholics believe that God loves them too. And I'm sitting there thinking, they're supposed to believe that anyway. Well... I think about that sometimes. 
because it was an unusual reaction. Usually when you tell people God loves you, they smile and say thank you. And even unbelievers will say thank you. They, it's, a, it's a nice message. People like to hear that. But I think about that because I often wonder how often people receive the message on the outside, yes, God loves me, but it doesn't really impact deep down. How often people, even in the church, it, it, the message of God's love hasn't quite got all the way down into their inner core. And that's what I want to talk about today. And listen... It is crucial for us to know that God made us because he loves us. It's not just nice to know it. It's crucial because that message impacts everything about you and everything you do. Uh, You know, it's his affection and concern for us. It's far greater. I said the way a parent loves a child. God is infinitely loving. He, He loves you far more than any human parent can love their child. And if you, if you have kids, think about how much you love those kids. He loves you more than that. And even right now, I can, I can feel the devil's lying to certain people in the room. I just, I just felt that right now. He does love you more than that. Don't listen to the liar. Thank you, Jesus. You know, the word happy isn't one that we often hear from the pulpit. We say joy in church, don't we? And people say, God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be joyful. Well, Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, and it's a supernatural gift. It's the ability to have a sense of well-being that is, it transcends human reason, and it transcends your circumstances. It's a wonderful gift from the Holy Spirit. Happiness is um, taking pleasure in your present circumstances. So there, are, there is a difference. But let me ask you this. Does a parent want their child to be happy? Yeah. And why does a parent want their child to be happy? They love them. I heard it over here. Yes. Does God love you? Okay. You see where I'm going with this. He actually does want you to be happy and he wants you to be joyful. What if it's both? And what if it really matters? I think you see where I'm going. Let me tell you something about you that is true. And I know it's true because I know that you're all human beings. Unless some of you are aliens or something. If you're all human beings, I can say with confidence, as special and unique as each one of you is... Since you're all humans, I can say this with confidence. Unhappiness is always the result, in every case, at all times, of feeling that you need something that you don't have. Whether it's a quality in yourself, a quality in someone else, some external possession, feeling that you need something that you don't have results in unhappiness. It's a sense of lacking something that you think you need. The other side of that, failing to value things that you do have. There's two sides to that coin. If you're feeling unhappy, ask yourself, what is it that I think I need that I don't have? What is is it that I think I need or that someone else should have? Maybe a spouse, something that's making me unhappy. What What is that thing that I think I'm missing that I think that I need? And let me ask you, who told you that you needed that thing? Did God tell you you needed that thing? No. Did the devil tell you that? Did your own soul tell you that? Am I listening to the right advisor? Who are you listening to? I'm not going to go on about happiness because I feel more on solid biblical ground talking about joy. But let me throw one more thought your way. The foundation of unhappiness is ingratitude. Lack of thankfulness for the good things we do have. That's where it comes from, in case you didn't know. The Bible mentions gratitude 157 times in the King James 
Thankfulness, 72 times. It's all over the Bible. In fact, there's, people always say the number one often repeated command in Scripture is do not fear, do not be afraid, right? Number two, because of the Psalms, praise the Lord. It's all over the Psalms again and again and again. It's a number two repeated command. Number three, rejoice. And number four, be thankful. The fourth most often repeated command. In fact, if we just did those four, we would, be, we would have a really effective and happy life. Thankfulness is the fourth most often repeated. And if you feel thankful, if you practice gratitude, you'll notice that your whole heart changes and you start walking through life with a lot of happiness, with a spring in your step. You can have no change to your circumstances, but just practicing gratitude for what you have, you'll feel happy. Thank you, Jesus, for that. It's a, it's a free gift that he's given us. So, joy. God does want us to have a deep-seated inner joy, not affected by circumstances. Even if everything in a given day goes wrong, or a week, or a month, he wants us to feel happiness. Excuse me, joy. In fact, Paul wrote, uh, rejoice, I say it again, rejoice, and he was in prison when he wrote that. So, I know none of you are in prison now, because you're right here. So, if he could feel joy in prison, we can too. Yes, it doesn't sound fair, Lord. He can be such a taskmaster sometimes. How could he ask us to feel joy? What? That's just not fair. You know, even when things go wrong, yes. What, what are some of the things that can go wrong? I was joking around last night about uh, some summers my mom will go on trips and guess who gets to water the flowers? Oh, it's so boring. You stand there and you water and then you go on to the next section and you water and then she comes home, you didn't water my plant. Yes, I did. And I'm supposed to feel joy even then? Yes. <laughs> When the price of bacon goes up, that's, that takes a miracle. Even then, Lord, yes. He wants us joyful. He wants you joyful. He wants you bubbling over. I wrote down the word effervescent, but I was like, effervescent? Why did I say that? Bubbling over. He wants you filled with him and filled with his joy. God wants you to overflow with gladness. And he talks about it, listen, as if we have a choice. We talk about joy like it's something that just happens to us. He talks about it like it's something we can choose. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. I, said, I quoted this earlier. Again, I will say rejoice. And guess what? That's not just a New Testament concept. In fact, it's all over the Old Testament. I'm going to quote a couple of verses from the Old Testament. You wouldn't expect to find this in Deuteronomy, but it's there. And in Deuteronomy 12.7, it says, There in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your family shall eat and shall rejoice in everything you have put your hand to. Because the Lord your God has blessed you. You know who he's talking to? He's talking to the children of Israel before they went into the promised land to start life as farmers. Do you know how hard farmers have to work? you know how dirty farming is? And those people were supposed to eat the produce of their hands and then rejoice together. It's actually a command. He doesn't say, oh, maybe you should think about this. Maybe, um, here's an idea. He says, do it. (laughs) Deuteronomy 16.11. And rejoice before the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. You, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, the Levites in your towns, and the foreigners, fatherless, and widows living among you. I like this one because it has a communal aspect to it. We're not just responsible for our own joy. Get your kids into the house of the Lord if you have children living at home. And if you have children who are grown-ups, it's a little harder to wrangle them to church, but you can pray for them. But your employees... The Levites, get your pastor happy. Get your pastor. We're responsible, even the people who have suffered loss, fatherless, widows, foreigners, 
people who maybe have the hardest struggles in this life, we're supposed to be helping them find joy. How often do we talk to uh, you know, our kids or people that the Lord has put placed under us as uh, you know, people, someone you're mentoring about living from joy, about living from thankfulness? How often do we demonstrate that? People are looking at you and seeing, this person is a Christian. Are they down all the time or are they living from joy? And if they see joy in you, that makes Christ attractive to them. And it's actually a witness. This is what I mean when I say it's really important for you. Plus, it's just nice, isn't it? And since we can choose it, we ought to. Everybody who belongs to God, all God's people, are supposed to be rejoicing. Even those who have experienced loss. And no one is allowed to say, well, I would rejoice if only. God, I would believe if. Those sorts of excuses don't fly with God. You know, there's no if only that gives us a valid excuse to be miserable. It's an insult to God to be miserable. If Jesus Christ is in your heart, and just as pain in the body informs us that there's something that needs attention, misery in our lives tells us that we're believing a lie. If you have Jesus Christ. You shouldn't be miserable if you have Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to guilt you. I know people have real struggles. I'm just trying to say, if there's misery there, look at your life and say, where's the lie? If you can't see it, ask the Lord, where's the lie? Because misery tells you there's a lie somewhere. And the truth will set you free from that. If you sometimes struggle with an if only, God has a message for you today. And he gave me a picture. Usually he gives me words, this is a picture. And those of you who were here last night, you get to do this twice. I just want you to, I'm going to describe this picture and use your God-given imagination to track with me here. In fact, if you're willing, let's just close our eyes and picture this. This is what he gave me for you if you have an if only. Here's what he says. I want you to imagine that you're with Jesus in a comfortable, safe place. He's spreading his arms out for you and you run into his embrace. As he holds you, you feel complete peace and an overwhelming excitement about your destiny because he is with you. And Lord, I pray you'll just enable people to see your truth with this picture right now. You just know amazing things are coming one after another forever. You look up at his face and his eyes are burning with the intensity of his love for you. That's a really important one. Lord, enable them to see your face. You don't want the moment to end and you realize it never has to. That's your reality right now. The cares of this world can rise up like weeds to distract or confuse us, but we never have to stop looking at his face with the eyes of our heart. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, you can open your eyes. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. So what if you know that you're saved, but you, feel no, you still feel no joy? That's what we're talking about today. Because if you're saved, you have the right to be joyful. It's a right that he purchased at a very high price. So let's not throw that away. God says, you must be joyful. I, I mentioned this earlier. He doesn't say, you should think about this. He says, do it today. And the enemy says what? No, you can't rejoice because of this, this, and this. So which voice do we listen to? Do you know that you're always either believing one voice or the other? And you can't believe them both at the same time, and you have to pick one. Who are you listening to? 
You have to pick one. This is a black and white world. People like to say, oh, it's shades of gray. I don't see it. I see we're either listening to God's voice and finding life in that, or we're listening to the devil and finding death. I don't see anything else. I'm not really a shades of gray guy. Maybe someone is thinking, I do want to pick God, but I don't know how. That's okay. God will work with that. It says in Philippians that he who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. He, he's willing to work with that. In fact, in, I forget where, someone probably knows, in the Gospels, there's a, a man whose child was demon-possessed, and, and uh, Jesus was going to deliver the guy, but, he's, but he said, if, and Jesus said, if, don't doubt. And the guy said, I do believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus didn't rebuke him for that prayer. In fact, he received that prayer. And if we say, I do believe, help my unbelief, he will receive that without making you feel bad about that. He'll help you get there. That's what he's here for. Now, there's one thing that will get in the way, though, is when we tell ourselves, I don't know how to do it. But really, we're saying no. Really, we're saying, I will not let go of my disappointment about this, and I'm holding a grudge about it, and I'm not going to embrace joy. The other one is, yeah, yeah, that's important, but I have a lot on my plate right now. I'll do that later. And then the next day, later. You know, willful negligence works out to a refusal in the end. And it's a tactic of the enemy. If he can't get you to refuse outright, he'll get you to try to delay until it eventually becomes a refusal. Don't fall for it. You know, I began today by telling a story about a fifth grade discussion between people, about the difference between people and animals. Here's a big one for us. An animal only needs a sense of safety and a full belly to feel happy. I wish I was like that. I've tried. It doesn't work. Uh, There's a neighbor cat in my parents' house, and they weren't feeding the cat. They were just, it, was, it was just supposed to be this cat that caught mice, and that was how it was supposed to live. And my mom didn't approve, so she started feeding it. Gourmet cat food. And you know what happens when you start feeding your neighbor's cat better than the neighbors were feeding that cat? It becomes your cat. So now there's this cat, and it's, they moved, and now it's my mom's cat. So that's what happens. Well... This cat was this scrawny little thing. It was like an awesome ninja hunter. Now it's this fat blob because of my mom. <laughs> and it's so fat. You would not believe it. It was this like sleek ninja. Now it's just like... But this cat needs two things. If you go over to my parents' house and you're downstairs and the cat's there, it will meow at you as if it's dying of starvation. Then you feed it and then it goes under the couch and sleeps. That's all it needs to be happy. I wish I could be happy with that. <laughs> you, created in the image of God, are not an animal. You were made differently. The human soul, I don't know quite how to say this, but it's more um, like vast, expansive. It's, it actually can't be filled with anything in this world. In fact, you could own all the material possessions in, the, in this entire world. You could be, you know the richest person in the world. You could own everything on every planet and it wouldn't fill you up. You would still feel that there's something missing. In fact, God made us so that we could only be filled with infinite love. Only an infinity of love can satisfy you. Each one of you. Each one of you is like this. It takes an ocean of love to satisfy your soul. 
He, he made us specifically and designed us specially so that we are only satisfied in his presence because that's what we were made for. Do you know that you were made for the presence of God? St. Augustine said this great quote, and I'm just trying to pull it out of my head. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in you, I think is what it was. Yeah, you were made that way on purpose. So if you're wondering, why do I never feel joy and satisfaction when I'm trying to get this, this, this? It's because it's never going to work. It's like if you were to try to fill up the ocean with grains of sand one at a time. You can't fill yourself up. Your, your soul is like this hungry, infinitely gaping hole that can only be filled with Jesus Christ in his infinite love. It takes an infinity. Yeah. You're not a cat. I have to tell you this. I'm sorry to talk about cats so much. But one summer when I came home from college, I was working at uh, a mill in White City, the LVL plant on Antelope Road. And... Uh, I was intimidated by this guy. He was my boss, and he was this big, gruff, mean guy. And he didn't really have time for some know-it-all college brat. And one, one day he asked me out of the blue, came up to me, are you overly religious? I think I mumbled something about being a Christian. He didn't like my answer. But he was unhappy. He would look at planes as they flew by. He would, I wish I was on that plane. Or uh, one day he came to work and said he was jealous of his cat. He wanted to be his cat. What do, you, what do you do when the big, tough guy at the mill tells you he wants to be his cat? You want to be your cat? He said, yeah, I was leaving for work today, and I don't want to go to work, and I see my cat lying on the bed, and it's just laying there. It's lazy. I want to lie around all day, too. I want to lie around and do nothing all day. And that's all he, that's all he wanted. And it's like I lost all of my... I was no, no longer ever intimidated by him again when he said that. <laughs> God thinks so much more highly of you than that. Thank God we're not animals, and we can't be so easily satisfied. Stop trying to satisfy yourself like an animal. It will never work. No food, no money, no self-indulgence of any kind, not even romantic love, can bring you true and lasting joy. There's nothing wrong with those things. They're great things. They're gifts from God, but they don't completely satisfy. In fact, not even close. I know I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. I think guys especially get tripped up on the idea of worldly success. If I could achieve, then I will have arrived. If I could only be a success, then I will have arrived. What happens when you get there, though? If you ever get there, you find the goalpost has moved, and now you need to get to the next level. And then when you get there, oh, what? someone moved the goalpost again. Now you need to get to the next. You never get there. In fact, someone who was among the most successful people in history, George Washington, got to the very highest you can get, the very first president. They said he was first in war, first in peace, first in the hearts of his countrymen. The, the very highest in worldly success you can be. And when he was leaving office, he watched John Adams take the oath to replace him. He's no longer president. And he leaned forward and he said this to John Adams, I'm fairly out and you're fairly in and we'll see which one of us will be the happiest. It didn't bring him happiness to be president. You'll never get there if you're trying to get happiness through achievement, guys. It's God's gift to us, and he made the human soul so vast, so thirsty, that nothing short of an infinity of goodness can bring lasting joy. He made us for himself. He made you for himself. Do you know that? I hope you know that. We should never be disappointed when our own feeble attempts to fulfill ourselves through our own efforts fall short. Thank you, God. Let me tell you about a guy with a weird name. You might have heard of this guy. His name is Boethius. 
This isn't a Bible story. He lived uh, in the 6th century, 500s AD, and he was from an ancient family, very rich, very well connected, and he, he achieved the pinnacle of success. The emperor, the Roman emperor, appointed him to be a consul, which there's only two consuls, and together they are the most powerful officials in the entire em- empire, just underneath the emperor. And then after he was consul, his sons, there's only two consuls, and he, the emperor made both of his sons consuls. Talk about honor. W- you know, what, what a privilege. And then what happened? Somebody accused him of treason, falsely. The emperor believed it and threw Boethius in jail under a sentence of death. He went from the highest you can be to the lowest in just a few days. And he was miserable. He was depressed. He lost everything that he felt made life worth living. And so he did what any, any one of us would do if we, were, if we found ourselves in an ancient jail under sentence of death. He wrote a long philosophical treatise on the nature of happiness. <laughs> it's called The Consolation of Philosophy. But this is what Boethius came up with. He said, the very best thing that this world can offer, the very, the very best thing out there is not being in a position of power. And it's not being wealthy. It's not being well-connected. In all of his life, reflecting back, he said, the best thing I ever had was the presence of God. He was a believer. The presence of God. And no one, not even the emperor, can take it away from me. And so he wrote that actually you can be joyful even in the worst possible circumstances because you can't lose the, thing, the only thing that you really need. And he found as he worked his way through this, just thinking, just reasoning, and really he was listening to the Holy Spirit. He called it reasoning but that you can be joyful in the worst circumstances and nobody can take that away from you. And he found that he had more joy. Once he got over the initial shock, he found he had more joy than he had had before, even though the circumstances were terrible. Uh, The Constellation of Philosophy became the most translated work for the entire Middle Ages besides the Bible. Uh, It influenced Martin Luther and John Calvin. C.S. Lewis listed Boethius as his, one of his top ten um, influencers in his life. And it's not known today. Of course, it's not in our public schools. But it's an amazing idea that nobody can take away from you the only thing that you really need. And I, I just say, speak this over us. It's not going to take us being thrown into, j- into jail for us to realize that. We're going to realize it right now, if you haven't already realized it. Amen? Thank you, Lord. God stands ready to be our joy no matter what, even when our circumstances seem to rule out joy. God stands ready with his presence to fill you up. This guy's like a broken record. He stands ready to fill you up. I don't want this to just be a sermon where you say, that was a good good sermon, and then you go on living your life without joy. Please don't do that. Make a choice today. I have joy because I have him. Okay? And every time you start thinking something negative, Rebuke that thought, take it captive, and thank him for something. You will walk in so much victory if you do that. I had a wow moment with God. A wow moment. I love wow moments. Who's had a wow moment with God at some point? For everyone who didn't raise their hand, give them a wow moment sometime soon, Lord, in Jesus' name. You know, I found I can't spend time with him without getting wow moments. I was worshiping by myself, 
and I was pressing in, and I prayed one of those prayers where you can just feel God smiling. Sometimes I feel like he's patting me on the head, and I don't know why I feel that. But he either does it when I'm complaining, I'm like, God, you know, what's with this? And he's like, just calm down. <laughs> or that's when I get annoyed when he does it. But also when I'm in the closest with him, it's just kind of like, I like you. So I felt him and I said, Lord, show me exactly how wonderful you are. And he did one of those chuckles and pats on the head. And he said, David, if you knew just exactly how wonderful I am, you would never stop worshiping. Which reminds me a lot of heaven because I I hear we're going to be worshiping a lot in heaven. We're going to know how wonderful he is. You know, if God is infinite, that's a big word, infinite. It's not just big, guys. never ending. If his qualities, his wonderful qualities are infinite, then guess what? It means you can spend the rest of your life here on earth learning about him, getting to know him, growing closer to him, and it, you never reach an ending point. It just keeps getting better and better. And into eternity. We'll be in heaven for ages and ages, and we'll still be learning more about him and more of his wonder, more of his beauty. I've told this many times. Richard had a dream about 10 years ago, and I think about it all the time. He was standing in a forest, a pine forest, one of those high plateau, high desert plateau forests, and he's holding one little pine needle. And the Lord said, this is what you know about me so far. And all these other pine needles on all these billions of trees is what you have to learn still. And Richard knows a lot about God. It's amazing. We have a great adventure. I think of it as an adventure. Our adventure is getting closer to God. And as we get closer to him, more joy more favor, more blessing, more victory. This is what we're here for. We were made for this. Do you want to do it? Okay. I have 23 seconds left, so let's just pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for creating us different than the animals so that only an infinity of love, you, in other words, can fill us up. I pray that people will have the wisdom and the eyes to stop trying to fill themselves up with this and that and the other thing, finite things, they can never do it. I pray you'll give us wisdom and understanding to only seek satisfaction in your presence. And I pray you'll give us wisdom and understanding to practice gratitude so that we walk in victory. I pray that we'll make the enemy depressed by our joy. Thank you, Jesus. His depression is because we're walking in joy. It means he's a failure in our lives. All of his plans fail and your will succeeds in our lives. In Jesus' name. Speak breakthrough. And, Jesus, and that lying voice that's speaking to certain people in this room right now, be silenced in the, Jesus' name by the blood of Jesus Christ. Go. Go. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Yes, amen. Let's stand up for a moment. We have a ministry team at the altar. You know, Jesus is into holistic healing, body, soul, and spirit. You have a concern you'd like prayer for. You'd like a release of a miracle in your life in some area. Maybe you're not even born again yet. You want to make sure that has happened. Come forward and and have the team minister to you. If you've never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where the power of God overwhelmed you and the tangible presence of God flooded you, this is your day for that, for healing, for anything. Take the time. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. So don't don't miss out because you haven't asked. This has a, been an incredibly important message. Do you agree? Yes. 
Do you agree? It's just this very simple, just very simple focus on joy and happiness from the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son. They're sources of joy and happiness for us. Let's just go on our way and grow in this. If we could really just grow in, these, in this one area of this message, man, it would rock our worlds and our, everybody in our family as well. Everywhere we work as well. It would shock people. So let's do it. Let's get after that together, shall we? Amen? Yeah, amen. All right. We love you. God loves you. Have a great day.